All right, everybody. Well, we made it. It is the last day of August. I just can't believe it. August 31st is the day today, and you are listening to Born on This Day. I am Amanda And Barker. I am Bill Antonio, and I'm very sad to see August end. Well, Bill, I don't know what your love life has looked and felt like this summer, but guess what? It is National Matchmaker Day. <laughs> matchmaker, matchmaker, make Bill a match. Uh, it honors romantics whose dauntless pursuit of perfect purchase for Cupid's arrow results in lasting love stories. Are so we <laughs> Um you know, made made famous by Dolly Levi's character in either The Matchmaker or Hello Dolly. Um, you know, who doesn't need a good matchmaker? Have you? Here's a question: Have you ever been a matchmaker? Not, no. Have you ever set? I have been a few times uh, with pretty. I have a pretty good success oh, rate. Nice. So I'll I'll just be the straight girl that finds you a random other gay oh, friend. What a success! Well, you asked what my love life is like, Amanda. So I have trapped a few mice in my basement in the last uh, few weeks in a classic mouse trap. You know the one that just sort of crunches their neck under the. And I apologize to all yeah. of you who love mice, um, but I needed to get the vermin out of my house. And so the sight of this dead body trapped under the the wire um, is sort of akin to what my love life looks like these days. If you need a visual representation <laughs> of it. Particularly the second mouse who apparently had a very rough end of it and I found him upside down, like the trap was turned upside down and he had bled all over the hearth of my fireplace. So that's my love. Oh God. Two, two things. Dark and also, you don't know that mouse uh, was a man. It could have been a very could have been a lady mouse. But he's annoying, so I'm assuming Look, he's a man because that's also a representative of my love life. <laughs> I will say, uh, years and years and years ago, I was I was living in Korea, and my roommate, who had also been my roommate in university and one of my dearest friends still to this day, um, her name is Sandy Chasse. Um, she was at a, a bar with me in Itaewon in Seoul, in, in Korea, and. Uh, uh, it was sort of a last night thing for me. It was my last night in Korea. So we were drinking and having a good time. And there was this guy sort of standing in the corner. And I just was struck with this sudden desire to just want to chat. I was I was fully in a relationship at the time, but I just thought, like, I need to talk to this guy. So I went up to him. I started talking to him. And as soon as I started talking to him, I said, you need to, uh, you need to go on a date with my friend Sandy, who was there and playing pool. And uh, he went, okay. It was his first day. He was an American uh, serviceman. He had graduated recently from West Point, And it was his first day in Korea or second day in Korea. And I was like, you need see that girl over there? Isn't she cute? And he's like, yeah. And uh, I said, great. So you guys need to go on a date. And I begged her as my departing wish from South Korea. I begged her to go on a date with him. She went on one and said, he's a nice guy, but he's not for me. And I said, that's because you only date jerks. Wow. And so, wow. Um, Truth telling from the Yenta over yeah, here. That's me. And so uh, I made her promise me that she'd go on a second date with him. And they started getting in a fight about politics. And suddenly she realized this guy had a lot more to him than she realized. They have been married now uh, 17 nice. years, I think. And uh, they have two lovely children and they live in Houston. I've participated so in sort of group matchmaking. Like when friends have come over and said, I think we should get these two together, help out. So I've, I've done like my part in sort of making sure two people sat together at a dance or something like that. That's mm -hmm. happened successfully mm -hmm. as well. 
I can think of at least one couple on my mm-hmm. mind right now that I that I made sure sat together and now they're married with kids. So, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. See, there you go. Well, we honor ourselves on National Matchmakers Day. Now, if you were born today on August 31st, it is said that you are best when you are busy, busy, busy. You are intuitive. You can be instrumental in decision-making and prioritizing. Uh, Born on this birthday, you look for approval for others, but you are intelligent and you definitely can stand on your own two feet. Well, yes. No, Amanda, please. (laughs) That story is a false rumor. Started by Sylvester Stallone, but it's also been it's been passed around about different celebrities over time, and for some reason, it's stuck on our our first birthday celebrant for a long time. (laughs) And I was not going to dignify that story with a mention on this podcast. I was going to say that I was I would love it if a matchmaker had hooked me and him up when he was in young in the (laughs) seventies, and that is Richard Gere, who was the hot young star of American Gigolo and an officer and a gentleman. His career waned after that until he scored a major comeback with Pretty Woman and has remained a star since winning a golden globe award for chicago and starring in arbitrage the second best exotic marigold hotel and the miniseries mother mother father son he was born on this day in philadelphia in 1949 yeah i forget whose uh, autobiography it was it might have been sylvester stallone's um but apparently richard Gere uh hooked up with was it or, or stole mm-hmm. was it bridget nielsen uh, from oh. Sylvester Stallone, and so Sylvester Stallone started that uh, the hamster. Whatever Richard Gere was, was aside okay. from being like drippingly attractive in the seventies, but he also had a confident cool about him. He didn't seem in any yeah. way preoccupied with proving anything about himself, and it made it really Absolutely. easy to assume anything about him. Also, because he didn't really fight to uh, to downplay rumors about him. So the, mm-hmm. so it just mm-hmm. meant that the stories that stuck to him got crazier and crazier and he just didn't care what we thought. I will say this, the second best exotic Marigold <laughs> hotel, my memory of that movie, which I've seen both one and two, um, uh, my memory, or was that two? Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, cause I can't remember. They had, they had the second one had a funky name, but anyway, whichever one it was. I remember sitting in, I think it was the second one. I remember sitting in the theater and it was right after uh, the unfortunate incident, very sad incident where a gunman had opened fire on, I want to say Batman or one of those movies. And I remember thinking this is the safest movie (laughs) (laughs) for me to be in right now, because if somebody comes in, I think, you know, I was downtown Toronto watching it at one of the big, you know, cineplex houses. And I thought if anyone's going to come in and open fire, they're not going to open fire on the second best (laughs) exotic. The worst thing they'll do is wake everyone in the theater up. Yeah. <laughs> all, all five of us, and I was surely yeah. the youngest one by by quite a bit there. Well, James Coburn played all sorts of tough, shady types in the films Charade, The Great Escape, and the Americanization of Emily with um, what's her nuts there. Plus, starred a James Bond type spy in Our Man Flint and In Like Flint. Late in his career, he appeared in Paul Schrader's 1998 drama Affliction and won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, then went on to appear in Snow Dogs and American Gun before his death in 2002 
at the age of 74. He was born on this day in Laurel, Nebraska in 1928. We couldn't stop talking about Chris Tucker after he made his appearance as the flamboyantly outrageous Ruby Rod in Luc Besson's The Fifth Element. Then two years later, he became a bona fide star with the success of the first three mo- first of the three movies in the Rush Hour franchise, co-starring Jackie Chan. He has only appeared in two films since Rush Hour 3 in 2007, a film for which he received an astonishing $25 million. He was born on this day in Atlanta, wow. Georgia in 1971. That's a good sure gig, is. man. Good gig. Also a good gig. Her song said it was only in her dreams, but Debbie Gibson's success in the 80s was a reality. And she, I think, probably did pretty well for herself. Her debut album, Out of the Blue, selling over 5 million copies. Because she was the writer on all those Mm -hmm, songs too, right? Yeah, she she wrote her own stuff. That was always the big comparison between her and Tiffany. Tiffany didn't write her own stuff, but Debbie Gibson did. Her triple platinum album, and I loved it, by the way, Electric Youth followed. And she also appeared... In, on Broadway in Les Mis, in Greece, and Funny Girl. I think she was in yep, Beauty and the Beast, later too. On, yeah. And uh, and she was in London's West End version of Greece as well. She was born on the stage in Brooklyn, New York. The thing that shocked me researching this is I didn't realize she's been consistently on stage for a very long time. Yeah, I don't think I yeah. realized that either, but it kind of does make sense. She's an amazing singer and has a yeah. name that would bring people who are now very much of the age that they're going to buy tickets. You yeah, know? I just didn't, I guess I didn't realize Which she was a, an amazing singer because I never got into her in the 80s and then I never paid much attention to her after. Oh, so, yeah. I see. Yeah, she's she was much more talented. She was one of those people who was much more talented than her music yeah. allowed. But it was a great you know? uh, platform I mean, she was right. to get on and to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Listen, if you want to be on Broadway, sure. that's a good way to do it. Julie Brown became famous as an MTV VJ, not to be confused with downtown Julie Brown, who worked at MTV at the same time. Brown also appeared as an actress in Earth Girls Are Easy and Clueless, plus made the very funny spoof films Medusa, Dare to be Truthful, which I watched like 10 times, and Plump Fiction. She was born on this day in Van Nuys, California in 1954. Maria Montessori was born on this day in 1870. She did die May 6th in 1952 in Cataville, Italy. She was an Italian physician and educator best known for the philosophy of education that bears the same name, her name, and her writing on scientific pedagogy. Pedagogy. You can never say that. At an early age, Montessori broke gender barriers and expectations when she enrolled in classes at an all-boys technical school with hopes of becoming an engineer. Her educational method is in use today in many public and private schools globally, and of course, all the private Montessoris bear her name. Montessori died of a cerebral hemorrhage uh, at the age of 81 in Nordvik, uh, Van E in the Netherlands. So she was born in Cataville, Italy, and died okay. in the Netherlands. That's Sorry okay. for the confusion there. Joe Swanberg's early independent films made him the leading director of the Mumblecore movement, including the films Kissing on the Mouth, Hannah Takes the Stairs, Nights and Weekends, and All the Light in the Sky. He's reached more legitimate status with his work on the Netflix shows Love and Easy, and was born on this day in Detroit in 1981. I just was explaining Mumblecore hmm. to Marco um, because we were talking yep. about Greta Gerwig, I think, and, and Francis Ha and those movies. Anyway, very, very interesting. And it's, you know, a movement, you never know you're in a movement or, or part of it or watching yep. it when it happens. It's always after the fact, yeah, right? It's, uh, it's one I'm ha- I was happy to see end, even though I only ever watched like one <laughs> and a half movies that counted as Mumblecore. Yeah. 
which mm-hmm. Francis Ha does mm-hmm. not, just so you know. No. Do, it does not? Why? Is it It's way post-mumblecore and it doesn't it... it doesn't adhere to their values. Noah Baumbach is far too established a filmmaker to be considered a mumblecore filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, no. I didn't know that. Okay, well, I have much to learn. So, Sir George Ivan Van, which is short for Ivan Morrison, was born today in 1945. He is a Northern Irish singer-songwriter, instrumentalist, and record producer. Van Morrison rose to prominence in the mid-60s as the lead singer in the rock band Them, with whom he recorded the garage band classic Gloria. His, not to be confused with Umberto Tozzi's Gloria, which then Laura uh, what's her nuts Gloria. saying? Laura Branigan, there you go. When I don't know what's Gloria, Gloria. I love that song. So that's I actually really love that song. I don't know We're, why I can't remember the words. <laughs> I okay, so here's why I love that song. Okay, let's get through Van Morrison okay. and then we can do a deep dive on Laura Branigan. Um, <laughs> this one, of course, is the Gloria. Yeah. That song. Gloria. His solo career began in 1967 under the pop hit oriented guidance of Burt Burns with the release of the hit single Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Van Morrison. Although my favorite Van Morrison song, I will say, is um, oh gosh, the one about Van Gogh. Star Star. That is a great song, although I don't Uh, always need to hear his version of it. And I know people who've worked with him and he is mm -hmm. famous for being the very worst. Yeah. Oh no, really? damn okay back to yeah. laura brennan by the so way was not born on the stage love... just in case marco wants to cut this out <laughs> no he'll never cut out laura brennan are you kidding he only dated me because i looked a little bit like laura brennan in yep. one of my sweaters true child of the um, my green is. one yeah <laughs> it's true um but the reason i loved that song as a child now i didn't grow up in the italian community I didn't grow up in Toronto. So I only ever knew the Laura Branigan version Mm -hmm. of that song. And the reason I loved it was because it was a woman singing about another woman. It's very true. And that was, and that one, my two favorite songs when I was like seven were that song and Betty Davis eyes and Betty Davis eyes. Same thing. It was a woman singing about another woman. Now, of course, Kim Carnes, is that her name? I never liked Kim Carnes is uh, smoky, smoky tones. I don't know. Didn't work. Um, anyway, uh, but I'd only as an adult can put words to that. You know, I didn't realize because it was so, yeah. it was so different to be like, let me sing. Let me tell you the story. It's also of a rare woman, case of basically. a song being translated and still having potent lyrics in English. That have nothing to do with. The, so Gloria Umberto Tazzi's the original Gloria in Italian is all about. Right. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can, it's very rare that you can translate a song directly. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. usually the English version is something simple and silly, like Never on Sunday, for instance, is a much more beautiful song. In mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. And a lot of Shakira songs, too. She writes them well in English, but her Spanish version is always a lot better. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to people actually born on this day. Frederick March was a leading man from the early 30s until the late 50s, winning the Best Actor Oscar for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the Academy's only tie in the Best Actor category, then later won a second one alone for the Best Years of Our Lives in 1946. Later, he starred in Inherit the Wind and the film version of Death of a Salesman. His last film role was The Iceman Cometh in 1973 two years before his death in 1975 at the age of 77. He was born on this day in Racine, Wisconsin in 1897. Marsha Clark was born today in 19... 
1953 in Alameda, California. She's an American prosecutor, author, television correspondent, and television producer. She is known for being the lead prosecutor in the O.J. Simpson case, and she is played by Sarah Paulson in the 2016 television series The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, which focuses on the O.J. Simpson trial. Let's not forget that Tina Fey also did a version of Marsha <laughs> Clark on several versions sure. of Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, Marsha Clark is great. <clears throat> yeah. And I didn't realize she was from Alameda. Oh, nice. I love Alameda. That's a really great, really great. Uh, you know, it's funny when that show Francisco. came out, a lot of people were like, oh, this show really, really, um, <sighs> makes, makes it up to Marsha Clark the way quote, quote, we treated her. And I remember people my age saying that. And I'm like, actually, I don't mean to trump my own horn, but when I was a kid and you were all making a big deal about her hairstyle change mid trial, I thought you were all stupid. So don't tell me that this show has come along and mm. rehabilitated your opinion of Marsha Clark. And now you're so great. I didn't need it, but I also loved the show. I mean, she still lost the case. So Well, no. she was screwed over royally <laughs> on that case, but you know, yeah. anyway, Buddy Hackett yeah. was a nightclub comic who became one of the biggest headliners in Las Vegas in the 50s. He also made appearances on film and television, including as Marcellus Washburn in the film version of The Music Man, a role in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, and voicing the seagull Scuttle in Disney's The Little Mermaid. He was born on this day in Brooklyn in 1924 and died in 2003 at the age of 78. Richard Basehart started out acting in Hollywood movies like The House on Telegraph Hill and 14 Hours. Then after the death of his wife, Stephanie Klein moved to Europe where he made his most famous film appearances in John Huston's Moby Dick, Berlanga's, Berlanga. did I say that right? Berlanga's Miracles of Thursday, and most famous of all, Federico Fellini's La Strada. He later returned to the States and appeared in the series Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and ended his career as narrator of the show, Night Rider. I mean, that is it a is. career, isn't it? He was he was born on this day in Zanesville, Ohio, in 1914. He died in 1984 at the age of 70. The Cannes Film Festival has only handed out a special prize for a supporting performance less than five times. One of them for Jack Thompson's brilliant performance in Bruce Beresford's critically acclaimed Breaker Morant in 1980. He also appeared in Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, Short Circuit, and as the congenial father to Russell Crowe in the charming comedy The Sum of Us. More recently, he was in The Light Between Oceans and Never Too Late and was born on this day in Sydney, Australia in 1940. Have you ever been? You've, you, I'm sure you have. Have you ever been to Cannes? I have not. No, I haven't been to France yet, actually. Yeah, I know. What? Cannes is interesting because like the what? Riviera is very popular, but that particular town apparently only comes alive for the festival month and then it's like Deadsville the rest of the time. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's not right. very big. I So I lived in... Uh, in Monaco when I oh, was that's right. 21. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, being the plucky at that point, plucky New Brunswicker that I had become, um, you know, and I was completely by myself. I didn't go with a group or with, I, I, li- <laughs> I lived in an apartment that my, um, I lived in an apartment that was there for a rich person's, um, tax mm-hmm. reasons. <laughs> Um, it, you know, it's a long story, but anyway, so I lived in this little apartment, uh, that was mostly like a hotel room with a kitchenette and, uh, worked in an office where they kind of were just there. You know, I, I did some filing. I wasn't really an important member of that office. So I spent a lot of time hopping on the train once I realized that I could. 
I didn't have to pay. I never paid for the train, hopping on the train and just going to wherever it was going. And so I went to Cannes oh, a nice. bunch of times uh, when I was there. Um, but yeah, it's it's small. Yeah. It's, you know, there's I don't a know why they chose and... it um, other than the fact that, you know, mm. it is a nice because the Riviera is beautiful and they do it at the end of uh, mid-May. So it's always a good it's before like the summer season really hits. So you don't have a lot of uh, vacationers mm-hmm. yet. Um, mm-hmm, but I think it mm-hmm. also contributed to the fact that it became as big a festival as it did because of the fact that you have movie premieres being, uh, movies being, um, celebrated by critics at the same time that you have photos of like Sophia Loren in her bathing suit at the beach, you know, like, I think that the combination right. of these things is right. part of what made it this, the cause celebra that uh, it became, but I don't really know. I have a book right. about the Cannes Film Festival on my shelf, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, I always wondered like, why not Monaco or why not? Like there's, there's mm-hmm. nicer towns. You know what I mean? Um, not that Kansas is fine. Well, it was France's choice because it was, it was like every Nice. country was starting to do a festival. And what happened was that I the see. Venice film festival was already a thing by the late thirties, but it was also becoming oh. very, uh, because fascism had taken over Italy and they didn't like that the festival itself was sort of leaning towards that mindset. So the Cannes Film Festival was created as a way to get away from that. Uh, And I guess it was the French who decided to do it. And they were like, well, we'll put it in one of our nicer towns. And maybe, I don't, I don't know. Again, I haven't researched this. Maybe someone like owned a hotel and were like, you know, it just worked out. Sometimes these things, uh, it's just a confluence of events like that. Um, but I'll find out and I will research it and I will get back to you. Ken is my Super Bowl. Like it's my favorite, despite the fact that I love living in Toronto and I love our festival. Ken is my favorite festival to pay attention to every year. I always try to see all oh. the movies that play in the competition. There's always about 15 or 20 of them. And But honey, you've never been no, to the festival. No, I haven't. I know. Wow. Well, I don't want to go unless I'm going to walk the red carpet. Like I don't want to go as just some guy with a backpack, you know? I have a dream to <laughs> right. fulfill. So right, right. Do you know Marco had a film? I did know that. Yes, he was in a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I have one more here to round out our birthday celebrants. Now that we've done a deep dive on why it went to Cannes and not to Nice or Monaco, which to me would make more sense. But Sarah Ramirez uh, is a Mexican American actress, singer, and songwriter. She was born in Mazatlan, of all places. Speaking <laughs> of resort towns. She graduated with a fine arts degree from the Juilliard School. She began acting in Broadway productions, making her debut with Paul Simon's The Cape Man. I did not realize she was in that. And later she ventured into film and television roles. She's a recipient of a Tony Award, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and a Satellite Award, among other accolades. Her portrayal of the original Lady of the Lake in the 2005 Broadway musical Spamalot won her acclaim and the Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Musical. And of course, she's really known as being Dr. Callie Torres in Grey's Anatomy. And I miss her. I miss her in Grey's. I wish she would come back. I don't know what she's up to. I love her. And, uh, Loved her her arc, all of them, <laughs> her years on Grey's Anatomy. And I, I totally get that uh, maybe her, because they didn't kill her off. You know, she just kind of moved to New York in that. So um, maybe she'll come back. But hmm. anyway, do you uh, watch Not Grace? for a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, and that's it, folks. That's what we got for August 31st. So go set up. It's matchmaker day. Go set up your friend with somebody or, or, uh, you know, go on a, (laughs) Uh, because I, I, I believe everybody deserves a chance at whatever kind of love they want, you know, whatever that looks like. All right. Well, Bill, 
Uh, you're my match for today, so thank oh, you. Oh, well, much. a pleasure as always, Amanda. Aw. And uh, who knows what Marco will edit out, but uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our deep dives of things like Laura Branigan and the Cannes yep. Film Festival, which really, neither of which had anything to do with Neither of which were born on this day, no. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, it's going to be September real soon, as in tomorrow, so tune in for Born on This Day. But until then, I'm Amanda Barker. I'm Bill Antonyu. <laughs>